Well, uh, it is always good to be with you. This is always really my favorite part of my uh, week. Um, it, is, it is a joy. I enjoy, enjoy Sundays, enjoy seeing you, enjoy preaching. It is, it is a blessing to me, and I pray it's a blessing to you. We are continuing on in our series in the book of Matthew. Uh, still in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew 7, uh, verses 7 through 14. It's page number 971 in your pew Bible. If you have a Bible, where there's something just powerful, I think, of opening uh, the Word of God together, so I would um, encourage you to do that if you can. If not, I will, as always, be putting, uh, putting the verses up on the screen. So we're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is kind of what I call kind of doing wrap-up time. He's kind of wrapping up what he's been talking about. And he's, he's going to be redirecting our, our thoughts uh, back to prayer. And prayer, especially in regards to God's goodness um, to his people. And he's going back once again to this image of God as a loving father. And, and this morning we're going to be looking at God as a loving father who provides gifts to his children, gifts that we need. Now whenever I read this passage, as a dad, I, ha- I can't help but relate uh, as a father, though I'm not quite as good of a father as our perfect heavenly father. And when I hear about uh, the giving of gifts that we're going to look at, um, I also like to give gifts, especially to my daughter Ella. And this is uh, part of the reason why I love Christmas so much. Um, There's some issues with Christmas I won't get into now. But I I love a lot about Christmas. I love celebrating Jesus' birth. Um, I love Christmas parties. I love Christmas hymns. I love snow uh, a couple months is enough, but during Christmas time, snow is good. Decorating all of those things, I love. I'm one of those people, I will probably start singing Christmas songs around Thanksgiving, so I'm sorry, I'm one of those people, um, for those of you that don't like Christmas songs. And one of my all-time favorite things of, of Christmas is giving gifts. There's something about giving. There's something about giving gifts to people that I, that I just enjoy. I want you to think with me for a minute. What is the, your favorite thing you have given to someone? That you've given to someone, not that you've received, but what is something that you've given to someone that's one of your favorite things you've given? Think about that for a second. Why did you enjoy giving it? I find, and you probably do too, giving a, a good gift to someone out of love and seeing the joy that it brings that, that person, it, I find it immensely joyful. You probably do as well. And this morning, this is kind of the imagery that Paul is going to be giving us as God the Father as the good gift giver. Jesus will tell us because of how good God is, how great God is, how loving God is, that we can actually trust him to give us all that we need, especially we're going to see in regard to living for him in this life. 
Jesus is just on the heels of last week. We talked about how to gently correct a brother or sister who's straying in love and grace and goodness as a fellow sinner, pointing them back to God. And now Jesus starts talking about prayer again. And he says this. We're going to see the first main takeaway, if I turn my thing on here. Is he's going to tell us that we must ask God for what we need with diligence. Jesus is going to tell us we must be diligent in going to God in prayer. And he says this in verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now do you notice the repetition here? Ask, seek, knock. There's this idea of diligence or, or going over and over and over again to God in prayer. When you pray, Jesus says, don't just leave it as a simple prayer, but keep going back to God with your request. Ask, seek, knock. There's this idea of seeking God's answer, God's wisdom, God's direction. Ask, seek, knock. I also think this language, it's getting more and more intense and more serious in, in, in nature. It's, it's ask. Ask is simply asking something, right? He says ask, but then he tells us to seek. Seek, in some senses, taking things into our own hands. It's going further than just simply asking. Seeking is you're, you're actively moving, right? Seeking is interactive. So ask, seek, you're taking things into your own hands. And then even more so is knock. This is more involved. You're, you're going and knocking on a door, this imagery of, of seeking out an answer. Ask, seek, knock. What does Jesus tell us, by the way, when we diligently go to God in prayer? It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. What do you think? Does this mean that we get whatever we pray for? I've been asking and seeking and knocking for a Ferrari. It has not shown up yet. I downgraded to a Ford Mustang. I'm a Ford guy after all. Maybe a GT500, you know, because you need enough horsepower to get in a little trouble. Still has not shown up yet. Am I doing something wrong? Right? This is not saying if you ask and seek and knock and you go to God that he just gives you whatever you want. This is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. What Jesus is talking about here is tied directly into what he's been talking about. This is one message, the Sermon on the Mount, though we've broken it up into a lot of different messages. But Jesus is talking about praying for things that are God's will for us. God's will for us. What he's getting at, what we're going to see, is when we pray earnestly for the things of God... He answers us in his perfect way, in his perfect timing, in his perfect will. Not always what we want. I don't get my Ferrari, maybe. Maybe a pastor appreciates I don't know, who knows. Um, it's not we get what we want, we get what we need. We've experienced this with our kids, right? If you have kids, especially remember when they're young, and they asked you for something over and over and over and over and over again, and you kind of wanted to go outside and cry a little bit. He's kind of using that imagery, you know, we're, we're these kind of helpless children going to this loving God, 
God wants us to seek Him, and He answers us in our prayer when we pray with to Him diligently. We may not always get what we want, but we always get what we need when we ask, seek, and knock. Next, we see that God provides what we need, and this is tied in for kingdom work. This is tied into the Sermon on the Mount, as I said, so God gives us what we need for kingdom work. Jesus, he's hinted at it so far, but he's going to repeat himself even more clearly. When we seek and knock and ask and are diligent in prayer, God answers us. And he says in Psalm 116.2, the psalmist says, Because he inclined his ear to me, I will call on him all my days. There's this truth of God answering his people. And Jesus tells us clearly in verse 8. He says, For everyone who seeks receives. And the one, or any, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus tells us, for everyone who asks receives, for everyone seeks in great faith finds, he's given what he needs. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? This passage and Jesus' words, as I said, read in the Sermon on the Mount, are absolutely 100% true. What Jesus is talking about is when we pray with fervency for God's kingdom work in our own lives and through us, he always answers our prayers in his perfect timing and perfect will. Now the emphasis here is on he gives us what we need. What Jesus is talking about is when we pray with and for the will of God to be done, for the kingdom of heaven to be brought forth, God answers his prayer, not in our perfect way, but his perfect way. So when we pray for things like kingdom values, like we talked about in the Beatitudes a handful of weeks ago, when you pray for those things in your life, that that God will make you more humble, gentle, merciful, and kind, when you seek that, and you knock, and you look, and you run after those things, God will grant you that. If you pray to be more generous and be God-honoring with your money, like we talked about a few weeks ago, when you seek that out in faith, when you ask God, when you run hard after that, God will grant you that. God will bring those fruits about in your life. If you pray, like we talked about last week, of not judging others, but being able to humbly enter in someone's life that's struggling as a fellow sinner and point them back to God, and you seek after that and you pray, God will give you that. God will help you in those things. Jesus is saying, pray diligently for the things of the kingdom. Ask for humility. Knock and seek for the gift of radical generosity. Seek God and earnestly pray for kingdom impact in your community and those things will be yours. Jesus is telling us to be more diligent, not for things, not for stuff, not to get more, but to give more. For God's work in the world through us. He continues on and he's going to tell us this. That's a hard thing to do. We live in a difficult world. It's a challenge. Life is hard. Things don't always go our way. We live in a sinful, wicked world and experience sin every day. And he says, I know that. And we can trust God in our request because his goodness is greater than we can imagine. He says we can trust God in these prayer requests and living this out because God is so good. He is our perfect 
loving Father in heaven. Jesus says this. And he knows a little bit something about God the Father. He's been with him for eternity. He knows him pretty well. And he says this. Jesus says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Jesus is using simple, profound language to communicate a profound truth, which he does often. He's talking to a group of people. These people, this is a fishing community. They know fish. They've been eating fish and bread probably for almost every meal of their lives. If you went home to home in the community that Jesus is speaking to, you'd probably find fish and bread on most plates. They knew it. It's common. He's speaking directly to the people. He says, what kind of good father would give their son a stone when he's hungry for bread? What kind of dad or mom would do that? What kind of parent would do that? That would be tricking your children and would be cruel, right? No sane, loving father or mother would do that. That would be like your kid asking you for a nice ear of Iowa sweet corn, butter, salt. And you say, no, here's a pile of dirt. Right? No, if you do that to your kids, I'm reporting you and you're probably going to have to go in the mental institution. No parent does that. No parent, no good father or mother does that. The same is true. If the, if the child asks for a fish, would you give them a serpent, a deadly snake? That's terrible. If your child says, you know, I just want a nice, good pork chop, and you serve them up a rattlesnake. Oh, could you imagine? Like, he's, Jesus is using this imagery that's so out of bounds, right? He's invoking an emotion from us. We should have an emotion of what kind of parent would do that? A crazy one. No good loving mother or father would do that. None. Jesus continues in verse 11, and he's comparing and contrasting. What he's trying to get at, he's making a point. He's comparing you as parents to, him, to God the Father, and he says this. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Comparing and contrasting sinful humanity with a God who is so much greater than we can even fathom is what he's doing. Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to take care of your children, how much more does God know how to take care of you? Jesus is telling us, even in our wickedness, in our sinful state, we generally know how to take care of kids. And by the way, how wicked we are, Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So in our fallen sinful state, we do immense good to our own children. If you are a parent, think of all the good you've done for your kids. Think of it. All the good things you've done for them. Right? You've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours loving and caring for your children, doing really, really fun things like changing their diapers, cleaning up vomit, helping them with homework, taking them to practice and sporting events and activities and being there with them when they're sad and lifting them up and taking care of them when they're sick. You sacrifice over and over and over again for your children. I saw this image 
And this is a father and a son. It could be a mother and a son, a mother and a daughter. But as a parent, you literally are taking pieces of yourself to build up your own children. If that's what we do as parents in our wickedness, how much better is the father? How much better is God the father? He's flipping the script. He's making a point as a great storyteller. He says, you're good to your children. God is a million times better to you. He's infinitely better to us as his children. Do you know how much God loves you this morning? How much he cares for you? How much he, he thinks about you. How he wants only what is good for you. If you are a child of God, that is so true. Absolutely so true. So if you can trust your parents, you can trust God to give you what you need. By the way, I do want to make a point here. Some of you have had not so great parents. And some of this is not ringing true. You're going, yeah, my parents were not so great. And I'm sorry. God is good. He is good to you as your father. You can trust God the Father who loves you perfectly. And if he's perfect, and if he's perfectly able to take care of you in all of your needs, if he's sovereign over all things, he knows everything, he sees everything, he's in control of everything, and he promises to give you what's good to you. Think about that for a second. Let that fall into your heart and dwell there. The point Jesus is making is you can trust God. You can trust God as a perfect, sinless, holy father to you who has a love for you that cannot be fully comprehended and gives you all you need. As God said to Moses, as he passed Moses by in the mountain, he said, I am the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That is our God. That is his promise to you. The great gift giver who provides you all you need. As I mentioned earlier, I love to give gifts to those I love, especially Ella. There's something about giving gifts to children and, and, and people you love. It's joyful. joyful. It's truly better to give than to receive. God is the perfect gift giver. That is what Jesus wants to tell you this morning. God gives good gifts to you. He loves you. He knows exactly what you need. And he has called God's people uh, to trust him in that. And some of you may be wondering, maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, is he really the perfect gift giver? Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes things don't go right in my life. Sometimes things go completely sideways. Sometimes things go off the rails. How do I know that? How can I trust God that he's the good gift giver? He's telling me that, but, but how do I know that? Let me explain why I believe and know this is true. If we earnestly seek God, he's found. If we earnestly bring our prayer request to God, he hears us and answers us and gives us exactly what we need. Jesus tells us this is true. And this is how I know it's true. God has proved it to us. The provision, the great gift we see is Jesus himself. Jesus is talking about God, the great gift giver. And he is the greatest gift. He is the greatest gift. 
This is how I know it is true because of the gift of Jesus. When you're having a hard time trusting in God's goodness, you need look no further than the cross of Christ. You need look no further than the cross of Christ. For it is on the cross that God gives us the greatest gift. And it's how we know we can trust Him in all things. God the Father willingly gives up His Son, His one and only begotten person, perfect Son, and the Son willingly goes to the cross on our behalf. The perfect gift. The cross is where I say, the mercy of God for His people and the justice of God, they meet, they kiss. It is on the cross where God fully pours out all of His wrath fulfilling his justice to punish all sin and offers mercy and grace and redemption and forgiveness to wayward sinners. It's on the cross where the Son of God hangs, where all people see the goodness of God to his people. It's on the cross that God the Father gives us the ultimate gift, The gift of forgiveness, redemption, hope, eternity, eternal life, a second chance, a renewal, an inner renewal through the Holy Spirit. It is on the cross that we find redemption, a redemption that we do not earn, but is freely given as a gift. Nothing that we've done on our own to earn it. Oh, how God loves you. And as Jesus is speaking about God the Father as the good gift giver, I can't help but think he's thinking about that cross. There's no doubt, as Jesus says in verse 11, but the cross in mind, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And the cross proves it. Oh, how good is God. He provides for us all we need. The perfect God, oh, how blessed we are as his children. It is a privilege to follow him. We may not always understand. We may, not, we may ask for things and not always get them. But God is saying, and what Jesus is saying, you can trust me. You can trust me that I always have in mind what is good for you. And I always do it. Always. Even, may, even though you may not always understand. So what does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for us as a church? It means this. Number one, I think we can take away, sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. We don't have because we don't ask. Part of what Jesus is teaching here is oftentimes we don't have what we need for kingdom work in the world because we don't ask. When Jesus is using this ask, seek, knock language, he's saying to run after the things that we want, to to seek God diligently, to knock on the door and say, God, give me these things. I need these things. This is language of one who, who goes to God regularly in their life in prayer, regularly, diligently seeking God out, praying to God earnestly for things like godly character, missional zeal for the lost, kingdom impact, understanding God's provision in their life. The person who asks and seeks and knocks has a life of urgent prayer because they see the need for the expansion of the kingdom. 
They see lost and hurting people in their community. And they are urgently going to God, their loving Father, who gives them what they need to fix those things, to help in those situations. And they're going with bold expectation, expecting God to come through because he fulfills his promises. Not always how we think, but he does. Number two, so we, first we, we don't have because we don't ask. And number two, is sometimes we ask for the wrong things. Another part of our problem is that when we pray, we ask for the wrong things. We certainly are taught in the Lord's Prayer to ask God to provide for us our daily bread. Go to God in prayer for your basic needs. Please pray for those things. Jesus would tell you to do so. But oftentimes, our prayers are so inner-focused, they don't look outward. They're focused on what we want and not what we need. Now, there's nothing wrong, as I said, for praying for physical needs. But in this text, Jesus is telling us to think bigger in our prayer and think to kingdom impact in our lives and the life of the church. It's a call to pray, not just for ourselves and getting more stuff, but praying to, for God to mold us and form us and shape us into the image of Christ so we are useful for him in this world. It's a call for God to help us live out Jesus' call in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus, I believe, would say, pray earnestly to live out what God has called you to do through faith. Lastly is this. I think God is asking you, saying, where do I need to trust God more today? Where, where am I not trusting God in my life? Jesus teaches God is good in all things, provides all that we need. Where do I trust him in both the small and the big things in my life? Because God the Father is like a perfect father to us, giving us exactly what we need in him, he has the full ability, by the way, to do that, to give us everything that he needs, and he is good to do so. He doesn't withhold for us what is best for us. Instead, he gives us lavishly all that we could require. Notice I'm not saying all that we want. Just as a good father provides for their children, sometimes Ella would prefer to eat cake before eating her meat and vegetables. And Ella, what do I make you do, me and mommy? You eat your meat and your vegetables before your dessert. Sometimes you don't want to take your medicine because it doesn't taste good. And we make you take, yeah, you can roll your eyes. We make you take your medicine. But God does the same thing to us. He gives us what we need, not always what we want. This is a, a, a Jesus is telling us to trust God more into that today, to lean into that, to ask God, where am I not trusting you in that? And by the way, we don't fully understand this at all times. It doesn't always make sense. In our sinful, fallen nature, we don't get that. And God sees you in that. He sees where you are at, and he enters into that, and he wants to help direct you into trusting him more this morning. Trusting in his goodness, trusting that he never wavers in that to you. And as a reminder, if you feel like God is not good to you, look to the cross. It's proof he always has in mind what's best for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, how good and great is the Lord. He is good. From generation to generation, He is good. Since the beginning of time when He created all things, God has been constantly redeeming and restoring a people to Himself 
despite our sinfulness. He goes and he gets us and brings us home over and over and over again. He, he, shed, he sent Jesus to shed his own blood on our behalf. He gives us good gifts. He cares for us. He intimately knows us. He hears all of our prayers. He knows exactly what we need. God, you are good beyond comprehension. Help us. Help me, God, in my unbelief to understand that. Help us to lean in that, into that more and more each and every day. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.